Father, we have come to this uh, beautiful place of worship this morning, anticipating that you are going to say something to our hearts. We love worshiping with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our hearts have already been filled with joy just upon seeing people that we love seated near us and around us and above us and below us. And Father, we sense your presence in this room, and for that we are very grateful. Some have come to this place today carrying tremendous burdens of grief and sorrow because of circumstances of recent days. Father, that grief and that sorrow may be known only to the person who bears it, but we know it's also known to you. And we call upon you, we cry out to you today to lift that burden and to hug that one up tightly to your heart that he or she might feel your power and your presence right now. And may they also find a sense of encouragement from brothers and sisters in Christ today. Father, we were just singing about the fact that when we call out to you, when we pray, we know that you hear. Father, the meaning of that cannot be lost upon us, that the God of the universe would invite us to talk with yourself and that we know that you hear our every word, our every thought, and that you are going to answer our prayers in accordance with your will and for the glory of God. And we are astonished and amazed that you love us enough to do that. Father, I pray that whether we have been believers for a few days or believers for over half a century, I pray that the joy and the privilege of prayer and conversation with you will never become old, never be lost upon us. Father, it truly is a joy, it truly is a privilege, and I pray that we are known and will be known as a people of prayer. So we invite your power and presence into this place that you will do what only you can do this morning, that your name will be glorified, that you will draw someone to yourself, that there might be someone here today who would come into a saving relationship with Jesus. We ask now that you speak to our hearts from and through your word. May the Holy Spirit touch each of us in these moments. In the beautiful name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, I pray. Amen. Well, I'm glad to see you. I want to thank Anthony Foxworth for uh, preaching for me last Sunday morning. Chaplain Foxworth, I understand, did a magnificent, magnificent job, as I certainly knew he would. And I hope you were here to hear him. And we'll certainly, hopefully, have an opportunity for him to preach for us again sometime in, in the near future. I want to talk with you for a few moments. Uh, I'm just going to sit down for a few moments, not because I'm tired, not because I'm hurt. I'm just going to sit down, okay? You can, uh, is that okay? We're going to call this maybe a, a fireside chat for a, for a few moments. There's no fire, thankfully, <laughs> and uh, we don't want one of those. 
But I just want to talk with you because I have not uh, actually personally addressed you about our new church plant in quite a while. I've peripherally said a few things, made announcements, encouraged, et cetera, et cetera. But I haven't really said anything um, lengthy, not that what I'm about to say is lengthy, so don't don't be afraid. But I just want you to know my heart as we are, are looking to the future and all that God has in store for for First Baptist Church, it is truly an amazing time in which to be part of this of this church family. As you may remember, if you've been here for uh, at least a little over a year, uh, God put it upon our heart to plant a new work, a new church in Bell County. God was speaking to me about church planning for a while, and I was praying about it. And we have not planted uh, a non um, ethnic church in over 20 years we planted ethnic congregations that whose target were, were like the chinese and the hispanics in our community but as far as a um an at-large church we we'd not done that in well over 20 years and so god began to lay that on our hearts i shared that with the elders the elders were all in and so to make a long story short you know that we as a church voted to plant a church, and in doing that, called the Matthew Levant family to come and lead us to be not only our missions minister, but also to be our church planter. And so uh, things have moved forward very rapidly, and as you know, uh, Matthew has done a magnificent job in leading us to the next level in mission work around the world and here in our own central Texas area. And I'm so grateful for, for his leadership and what he has been doing and continues to do among us. But also now is the time has come for him to begin to devote more and more of his attention to the actual church plant. As you know, our target date for launch is uh, next Easter, and that's April 21st, 2019. And I want to tell you, you blink your eyes and it will be here. That's how quickly time moves these days. And so we're filled with anticipation about that. Um, we're in the process. I think I got in from baptism in time to hear Brother Jesse praying about the process of calling our next missions minister. And the, there is a team working on that now. And that is a fully budgeted position as of September 1st. Not filled yet, but it will be, uh, I, I think, soon. That person will overlap Matthew for a few months, uh, Matthew will be, be able to fill this person in on where we are and what's been going on and and uh, give them some training. And then Matthew will be able to devote more and more of his attention to the church plant. And uh, that was by design from day one. That is exactly what we plan and that's exactly what's happening. And And so it's outstanding the way God is blessing. Now, there is much to do between now and the public launch on uh, on Easter Sunday morning. That includes training leadership, and Matthew's already had at least his first meeting with his leadership. It will be the beginning of some neighborhood Bible studies, neighborhood groups that will be begin very, very soon, within a month or so. And the leadership team formation is very, very important. And in fact, on the last Sunday of this month, we're going to have a prayer time at the close of the service for those who feel called to go with uh, Matthew and are therefore part of that leadership launch team. We're going to have a prayer for all of you who are going, all of those who are going 
on the last Sunday uh, of this month. Now, understand the objective of our of our renewal church. It is not to move the fish between aquariums. Do you know what that means? That means it's not the objective is not to take folks from this church and that church and that church and move them over here. We are sending a team, and I hope a pretty sizable team, to launch the new work. But our objective is not to go to that church over there and pull people. That, that's not our objective. Here's our objective. Our objective is to reach the lost in Bell County for Jesus. That's our objective. In the process, we have already discovered that there are a significant number of folks who claim to be followers of Christ but have dropped out of church somewhere along the line. We're hoping that we can reach some of those, and they need renewal. And I think the title, uh, the, the name of the church is perfect for those who, who have dropped out somewhere along the line. So our objective is to reach, to penetrate our community. Now, some have said, why do we need another church in Bell County? Because we do have a lot of Baptist churches. Uh, we acknowledge that. We certainly do. But, but I want you to know, and it, this may not surprise you if you really know your neighborhood, but less than 10% of Bell County residents will be in church today. Now, does that surprise you? We call ourselves the buckle of the Bible belt. We say, well, we were evangelized through and through in Bell County. Are we? I'm not so convinced of that. When only 10% or less than 10% of Bell County residents are in church and today's just an average day. It'll be the same next Sunday and the Sunday after that. I would submit that there are a ton of people who need to be reached. And, and I believe there are a ton of people for us to reach at First Baptist. But Renewal Church will be able to reach some that we, we would never reach. And so that's our objective and that's our goal. And I've known Matthew since he was um, a college student here a few years ago. Um, and I know his heart, and his heart is to reach the lost, so that he's not going to lose sight of that. If there's anything about Matthew that you can say is the truth, he's focused. So he will be focused on his objective and the goal of the church, and that's reaching lost people for Christ. And he'll never, he'll the Matthew I know will never be wavered from that, never be deterred from that. Now, how long will they be a mission of our church? We don't know the answer to that. That depends on how well things begin. But I'll tell you, the objective of Matthew and mine also is that it won't be long, that they'll be able to stand on their own as a church as soon as possible. That's why we're doing some things that most mission starts don't do. You may have been part of other mission starts or known about other mission starts, and you're thinking, we're doing things a little differently. We are doing things differently. We're going at it stronger with more focus and more commitment uh, financially than really any other mission start that I've ever known. And the reason we're doing that is we want the beginning to be strong. We want it to be healthy. We want it. We want to birth the baby with as strong a lungs and body as that baby can have. And that's the why of we're doing things the way we're doing it. You, you know, if you have a baby, you want that baby to be born strong and healthy. So you're going to do everything you can to make sure that happens. What's well, the same with, with starting a mission church? We're doing everything we can to make sure that baby is strong and healthy. Now, this will not be the end of church planting for us. We Once renewal is strong and going and flourishing, then we'll be planting other churches. And our next one will be not here, but it'll be in a what the North American Mission Board calls 
ascend, S-E-N-D, not S-I-N, but S-E-N-D, a send city somewhere in North America. Now, we won't be able to send a whole bunch of folks there, I, I don't think. Mostly the pastor and his family and maybe somebody else will go, but it will be a different focus. But that will come later after renewal has started. That will be in conjunction and cooperation with the North American Mission Board. In our church plant, we'll be working with and cooperating with Bell Baptist Association and and the Baptist General Convention of Texas. And we cherish their partnership, and that will be a special partnership as we move forward. So let me tie all this together by saying that uh, I'm very excited about renewal. I want you to be excited. I hope you're excited. I believe you are. This is not new news. There are three things that we ask you to to do or consider doing or pray about doing. Number one is is to pray. Now, there's really no need to pray about praying. Just pray. Pray for Renewal Church. That's And that's something every one of us can do. All of us can pray for Renewal Church. So I'm asking you as a church family to do that. Secondly, most of us, if not close to all of us, can give. And during the month of September, we have the great opportunity to give focused gifts to Renewal Church as we voted as a church to do in our last month's business conference. So during this month, they're offering envelopes that say Renewal Church in the pew racks in front of you, your memo line on the check, you can put Renewal. Um, you can go online to give. The, there's a drop-down on the giving section for Renewal Church. And so please, please give. Give as generously as you possibly can so that we can help Renewal Church get off to a great start. This is an important month. In giving, we need to end September with renewal financially, at least being in the position we had wanted to be. So they'll be ready to move forward from there. Because really, what what we don't want to do is the last few months have to worry about money. We want to know that's going to be okay. We want to spend our time training people and getting folks ready. Now, the the third thing that some of you can do, and I hope all of you will pray about it, and, and that is actually go and be a part of the of the of the foundation of the church the launch of the church so i hope that you will pray about that we need people of all ages to go we don't want it just to be a 20-something church nor a 60-something church we want it to be mixed ages so i hope you'll pray about about that some of you've already decided matthew knows you're going others of you are praying about it thinking about it but let me encourage you to ask god to give you an answer pretty soon because uh, we want to be able to pray for you on the last sunday of this month but also leadership formation it's time to do leadership get things ready and and by the way uh i hope matthew won't won't shoot me for saying this um but there there's no room for pew potatoes in a mission start so if if you're thinking you know what i like the way matthew preaches so i think i'll go to renewal so i can hear him preach every sunday and go home well, if that's what you're thinking, then I would just say to you, you just probably need to stay here and hear me preach every Sunday and then go home. Because in a mission church, everybody's got something to do. We, we need folks who are willing to go and serve, and there are a multiplicity of ways in which you can serve. So I hope that you'll pray about that. Let Matthew know if you're close to a decision or you've made a decision, let him know. So he can include you in the leadership meetings that are that are taking place. That's very, very important. And uh, so I hope that many of you will respond. I hope all of us will respond in some way to what I've said this morning. Now, 
Uh, one of the happiest times in the life of any couple is giving birth to a baby. We're having a baby. <laughs> we as a church are having a baby. And it's called a church, and the particular name of this baby is Renewal Church. So I hope that you will join with me in celebrating that and rejoicing in that, and that in some way you'll be part of it by praying, giving, or going. And may God bless Renewal Church. Let's keep it in front of us as a focus in, in the days ahead. So I wanted you to know that. That's important you hear from your, from your pastor. Okay? Are you ready to open your Bibles? Do that, please. Matthew chapter 6. What does every Christian need to know? There are things that a, a Christian needs to know. So far in our journey, we've talked about whatever. Are you a Christian for certain? And then what does every Christian need to know about the Bible? What does every Christian need to know about God? What does every Christian need to know about Jesus? What does every Christian need to know about the Holy Spirit? And last time I preached, what does every Christian need to know about how to grow as a believer? So today, what does every Christian need to know about prayer? Prayer is important. In our heads, we know that. That can't be lost on anybody who's a believer. We know in our heads that prayer is important. The question I want to ask you today is, in reality, how important is prayer to you? Prayer is talking with God. Now, we could get together today. We could get some pretty smart people in this room to come together and put together a a highly uh, filled with deep theological words definition for prayer. It would probably be a beautiful, a beautiful thing. But let's just boil it down in all of its simplicity. Prayer is talking to God. That's very simply what it is. Prayer is talking to God. Now, the amazing part about that conversation is that we are talking with God by invitation. He asks us to converse with Him. He invites us to strengthen a personal relationship with Him through prayer. And when you consider the God of the universe and all of the magnificence of His creation and all of the billions of people on the face of planet Earth and all that God has to do, isn't it amazing that He wants to have a conversation on a daily, continual basis with a person like me or like you? It's utterly amazing. So prayer is talking with God by invitation, and in praying, that helps us to know about God, but it also helps us truly know God. Now, we have before us today a very simple prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer, or often called the Model Prayer. And the reason it's called the Model Prayer is that Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And not that that is the prayer that we pray all the time. It, it's just a good model for our prayer our prayer life. So I hope that you will see that today. And we're going to stand. We're going to begin with verse 5 of chapter 6. We're going to read through verse 13. And then you're going to listen to me as I read verses 14 and 15. Now, verse 5, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, follow along. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. I didn't request it on the screen. But I want I don't want to miss verse 14 and 15. It speaks for itself. I really won't talk about it in the message, but here's what it says. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know, that is so plain, it's scary. What part of that do we not understand? (laughs) So if you're bearing ill will toward someone, I want you to consider those verses as you consider your prayer life today. So you may be seated. Now, let's talk about what every Christian needs to know about prayer. So here we go. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Number one, numero uno, number one, there is a proper attitude to possess. There is a proper attitude to possess. Look back to verse five. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. Jesus uses a negative illustration to point us toward humility. So when we think about a proper attitude to possess in prayer, it is tied up in one word, humility. Jesus uses a negative illustration to point you and me toward humility. And he says of the religious leaders, he says of the Pharisees, their prayers are not real prayers. They're just talking for attention. Uh, Their desire is to be seen. What would really get a Pharisee fired up was for someone to hear him praying and for him to hear that person say, Wow, what a prayer, what a righteous man. That they, that would thrill a Pharisee more than anything else in all the world is to hear someone say, Wow, what, what a righteous man. Jesus says they've received their reward. Well, what is their reward? Exactly what they were hoping for, that they would gain the attention of people, that people would notice that people would say, wow, that's their reward. There's no power in their prayer. There's no answer to their prayer. There's no giving glory to God in their prayers. Their reward is simply they've gained the attention of man, and that's not worth a whole lot, is it? So Jesus is simply saying to us, there is a proper attitude to possess in prayer, and it is humility. Now that leads us to the second thing. The second thing is this, there is a correct mode to emphasize. There is a correct mode to emphasize. If you look at verse 6 and 7, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. There, listen to me carefully, there is a place for public prayer. 
We know that. There is a place for public prayer in worship, as we pray over the sick or the wounded, as we have public gatherings where we ask God's presence, ask God to bless in our small groups, in Sunday school or, or, or life groups or disciple life or in, in choir groups or mission groups, small groups. There is definitely a place for public prayer. We acknowledge that and we practice it every time we get together. There is a place for public prayer. However, the vast majority of prayer is in private. And that's what Jesus is getting at. One-to-one communication. Communication between you and God. The quiet place, the quiet time, or any time, for Paul says pray without ceasing. Our prayers are purposeful and pointed. So I do not babble on like a pagan who will not be heard for their many words. We will be heard because of our hearts, not because of our multiplicity of words. So here's the mode for prayer. Most of the time, excluding public prayer, our mode of prayer is to God, always to God, not to those seated around us, but to God. Secondly, the mode is in private most of the time. Most of the time, our prayers are in private. And the third mode is to the point. And that should always be the way we pray. To to the point. So, to God, in private, and to the point. That That's our mode for praying. Now, here's the third thing about what every Christian should know about prayer. The third is this. There is a valid reason to engage. There is a valid reason to engage. Look at verse 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, listen carefully. God does not want us to pray so that by that He can find out what we need. You know that when you pray for a need, God doesn't say, Wow, I'm glad you told me that. I had no idea. That, that, that's not correct. God knows already everything that we need. Instead, God wants us to pray so that our dependence on Him will increase. So that our dependence on Him will increase. Praying is expressing trust that He will hear and He will answer. Jesus compares prayer to a father-child relationship in Luke's gospel, the 11th chapter. May I remind you of what Jesus said. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So Jesus compares our prayer relationship with the Father like a child and his earthly father in their relationship as a child expects a father to provide so we expect in faith that God will hear 
and that God will provide. God also desires that our love for Him and our relationship with Him will deepen and grow. And it is in prayer that that happens. What we truly think and feel about God comes through in our prayers. Or, for some, our lack of praying. That expresses what we really think and feel about God. Prayer involves us in what God is doing in this world. We are therefore involved in, in His great story of redemption. We are involved in things that have eternal significance. If you wonder about that, I point you to verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You and I are involved in those kingdom activities. Now, prayer is also more than our personal or family, asking for our personal or family needs, though that is legitimate and very important. However, it will help us immensely in our prayer lives if we will remember that there is a story so great that we will not be able to see all of it or know all of it until we see God face to face, but for His glory in the story we pray. So, there is a valid reason to engage. Here's number four. Are you ready for number four? There is a relationship to strengthen. Look at verse nine. There is a relationship to strengthen. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So I ask you, who are the persons of prayer? Who are the persons of prayer? Our Father in heaven, and you, our Father in heaven, and you, you as his child, and God the Father make up the persons of prayer. Not everyone is a child of God. And in John 1.12, we are reminded to all who receive him, to those gave to believe in his name, to those he gave the right to become children of God. We become his child spiritually when we are born again or when we are born into the family of God. The relationship then to strengthen, here it is, the relationship then to strengthen is that father-child relationship. Prayer is the key to strengthening that father-child relationship. That's not hard to understand. Conversation strengthens the husband-wife relationship. Conversation strengthens the parent-child relationship. Conversation strengthens the heavenly father and your relationship. Now, there's there's a fifth thing. Are you ready for number five? There is a purpose to express. Look at verse 10. There is a purpose to express. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
The purpose to express is God's will be done. Prayer is not bending God's will to make it fit my will. Prayer is seeking the will of God and then doing it. Now, I'm sure no one in this room has ever said this or even thought this, but there are people who do. Some say, I don't want God's will if it doesn't match what I want. Now, I'm I'm confident nobody in here would have ever thought such thing. It's just those folks who didn't show up this morning. But the reality of it is sometimes that's true of many of us. Listen, if God wants, God wants for you what you would want for yourself if you had enough sense to want it. Now, He wants what's best for you. And God's will is not what, is not what I have to do, it's what I get to do. Sometimes, some things are, are plain. The scripture's as plain as it can be. We're, we're to love one another. We're to treat each other kindly. We're to speak the truth in love. We, we aren't to lie. We aren't to do the things the Ten Commandments tell us not to do. Those, those, all that's as plain as it can be. But there are things that are not as plain. And about those things we pray. Do I need to take a new job? Do I need to move? Do I need to go to college? And if so, which one? Do I, do I need to serve in the military? Do I, do I need to marry this man? Or do I need to marry this, this woman? There are some pretty big decisions about which we need to pray. And let me point you and get you to note something. John fifteen seven says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know why Jesus says that? When we are abiding in Him and the Holy Spirit is day after day after day speaking to our hearts and ministering to our hearts, we know what God wants us to do. We know the will of God. It is no longer a mystery. He speaks to us. We know what He wants us to do and then we obey. We, We obey. So there is a purpose to express. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. And we begin to know what to pray because we begin to know the very thoughts of Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Those aren't just throwaway words. Those are words written to you and me. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And so there is a purpose to express. Number six. We're nearly done. Number six. There is a need to be met. Verse 11. There is a need to be met. Give us today, this day, our daily bread. He will provide for our needs. May I remind you of the words of Paul in Philippians 4.19. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. We have wants. We have needs. And our needs, the Scripture tells us, will all be met in Christ Jesus according to His riches. Let the Holy Spirit show you your needs and then pray that your needs will be met. Now, number seven, we only have two more. That's it. No, we have three more, but it's only, really, here we go. What time is it? We're okay. Number seven, 
there is a pardon to receive. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So in this model prayer, Jesus is reminding us of the importance of confessing our sin. In fact, Psalm 66, 18 and Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 tell us if we harbor sin in our hearts, God doesn't hear, doesn't listen to us. What does that mean? It means if we harbor sin in our hearts, God doesn't listen to us. It means when our sin is obvious to us, when we know we're under conviction, we know that we have sin to be confessed and we refuse to do it and most likely continue in it, then we cannot expect that God's going to listen to our prayers. And so those verses are sober reminders to us, but 1 John 1, 9 is a joyful reminder to us that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what a joy to have your sin forgiven, to get the burden off your back, to get it out of your heart, soul, and mind, and to move forward with purpose. And so there is a pardon to receive. And I'll just inject in there again, Verse 14 and 15, and what it says there in verse 12, we forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I would just say, take that verse, those verses, and and if, if you're seated there this morning, you're thinking of somebody, maybe, you need to forgive that person. You need to forgive that person. Let it go. Forgive them. They may not have asked for forgiveness. They may never ask for forgiveness. Forgive them. That doesn't mean they suddenly become your dinner partner. But you need to let it go. That's not easy. I know, you know, all of us have those offenses that just gnaw at us when we think about it. But the scripture is as clear as it can be. I have, I have no, I, I can't offer you an amendment to the Constitution which says, oh, but, but if it was this kind of offense and they haven't asked for forgiveness, it's okay to be bitter. It's not in the Bible. All I have to offer you is a scripture. Now, number eight, there is a shield to grasp. Look at verse 13. There is a shield to grasp. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the protection that prayer offers to us. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us lest we fall into temptation. For we know that James tells us God doesn't tempt anybody. So lead us lest we fall into temptation. Verse 12 offers the pardon for sin. Verse 13 tells us of the protection from sin. So start your day in prayer and grab hold of that shield and ask God, God, orchestrate my steps away from sin. And then through the day, I'll listen to the Holy Spirit in advance. I can't see the unseen, but God sees. And I wonder how many times he has protected us in accordance with verse 13. And we don't even know about it. But it's because we begin the day saying, Lord, don't don't let me stumble and fall along the way. Help me to listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. There's a story, um, it may be apocryphal, I, I don't know, but uh, Tom Landry, and one of his assistant coaches for a while was Mike Ditka. You remember him? 
I will have to use, I don't know what I'll do in the second service. Uh, <laughs> Tom Landry, Mike Ditka is like, who? Uh, who would have ever thought that day would come with Tom Landry? But anyway, I'll worry about that in a couple of hours. Um, Tom, Tom Landry says to Mike Ditka, I want you to help me scout. Mike says, man, I'll do anything you ask, coach. And so, so Tom says, you know, you know, those, those guys that are, that get knocked down and they stay down. And, and Mike Ditka says, yeah, we don't, you don't want me looking for them, do you? And Tom says, no. He said, do you know those guys who get knocked down and they get up and they get knocked down, they get up, they get knocked down, they get not, get up, they get knocked down, they get up. Mike Ditka says, yeah, that's who you want me to look for, isn't it? And coach Landry said, no, I want you to find the guy who's knocking everybody down. That's the one we want. <laughs> Well, our prayer each day is deliver me before I get knocked down by sin. Now, last, and we're done. There is a praise to express, verse 9. There's praise to express. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we go back to verse 9. Hallowed be your name means you're holy. I sanctify your name. I, I trust you as holy. And I praise your name. I praise your name. And so we trust him. We fear God, not man. We obey him and we glorify his name in our prayers. So why did I, why did I preach this today? What I hope to accomplish If, as a believer, you have a very strong prayer life on a daily basis, then all I hope is that this message will add fuel to the fire. Maybe it'll be like saying, sick them to a bulldog. Go get them. But I have a feeling that I'm talking to some whose prayer life is pretty weak. Maybe even non-existent. And it's to you that I offer the challenge. You're missing out on it. Don't miss out on it. Begin, not tomorrow, but today, to once again communicate with God. Help, let Him help you and strengthen your prayer life that you might be the man or woman of God that he desires for you to be. And remember, he wants the best for you. Prayer is an integral part of that. So pray and just see what God will do. Let's bow for prayer. In a moment, we'll stand. Brother Gary will lead us in our song of invitation. Somebody here needs Jesus. Is it you? I plead with you, come and give your life to Christ today. Place your hand in mine. Slip out from your seat. Wherever you are, come and make your way to the front. Place your hand in mine. Pastor, I need Jesus. Remember, our staff will be here to pray with you. Come and give your heart to Christ today. And then in regard to your prayer life, whatever you know, I mean, we're not fooling, you're, you're not fooling anybody. I'm not fooling anybody. You either have a strong prayer life or you don't. And so you know the answer to that. So whatever you need to do, do it. So, Father, we trust you. We love you. We adore you. Thank you that you want to talk to us. We are utterly amazed that you would want to. Thank you that you want to. And I pray that we will. And our prayer life will be awesome and powerful and strong. 
that you would bless us as individuals and as a church in the days ahead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.